Well, good morning, everyone. So good to have all of you at all of our churches this morning. And if today is your first time with us, this is a great Sunday for you to be with us because we're starting a brand new five-week sermon series entitled More Than Meets the Eye. And what we mean by a five-week sermon series is we have one sermon that's going to take us five weeks to do. You don't want to stay here as long as it would take to do all five of those, right? So basically, if you can't be here one of these weeks over the next five weeks, make sure you go online, watch it on our app or listen to it on our app or our website. You can do it on podcasts. Because this is going to be each week kind of building on taking us to a really great place in our relationship with Jesus and each other. Now, to get us started with this conversation today, I want you to think about this question. Here's the question. How often do you stop and think about the invisible world that impacts our visible world? Like, How often do you think about the world that we cannot see with our visible, with our naked eye, but impacts our visible world immensely? I think for many of us, the answer is we pretty much think about the unseen world of germs and viruses now 24-7, right? I mean, since COVID-19, most of us, we have begun to understand at an even greater level than before the power and the impact of the unseen world. I mean, we realized quickly when 2020 hit that the unseen world had a potential to create pestilence that can impact every part of the world, kill hundreds, thousands, even millions of people. And all of that devastation happened because of something that you can't see with your eye, a type of germ called a virus. In fact, that's why a lot of us, we keep this kind of stuff within arm's reach all the time, right? I mean, we are absolutely kind of addicted to this stuff. It's become part of our lifeline in our mind because we not only do believe in germs and viruses, not only we believe that there is something that we can't see that impacts what we can see, we believe that stuff is dangerous. Those germs, those viruses are dangerous. We believe that they could be life-threatening. We believe that the invisible world has a significant impact on our lives, and we believe we can't afford to ignore that. We realize there is so much more to the world than meets the eye. And some of you say, well, how does that apply to us in our spiritual life? Well, in the same way, Jesus and scripture are very clear that there's an invisible spiritual world that affects our lives. And this invisible spiritual world, it doesn't simply impact us physically. Jesus says this invisible world, it is dangerous because what it does is it distorts the truth just enough to make us believe in lies that will harm us. It is dangerous to our thinking, it's dangerous to our worldview, it's dangerous to our emotions, it's dangerous to our attitudes toward morality and purity, our finances, our relationships, our marriages, how we date, how we do business, how we interact. It is dangerous in all of those areas of our life. So there's an invisible spiritual world that impacts everything we do. And yet, here's the thing, when we talk about this invisible spiritual world, There's kind of a tendency in a lot of us to kind of resist this idea. In fact, most of us, while we think about the germ and the virus world 24-7, we don't think about the invisible spiritual world hardly at all. But Jesus comes along and says, hey, there's an invisible spiritual world that you need to know about and you need to be aware of and you need to think about every day and you don't need to allow yourself 
to go, oh, I don't know if I'm really affected by this or not. I don't know if this really is going to have any kind of impact on my life. He goes, no, 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 you need to be very aware that it's going to impact you whether you are aware of it or not. And you go, how do I know that it's impacting my life? How am I aware of that? Well, all you need to do is look in the rearview mirror of your life. I mean, all you need to do is pause and just kind of look back down the path of your life and think about some of the things that you've done in your life. And here's what I can promise you. If you're honest with yourself, as you look back down over the path of your life, your past life, you'll ask yourself questions like this. How could I have been so blind? How could I have been so confused or deceived? How how could I ever have thought that that was a good idea in that season? How how did I think that relationship would ever go anywhere good? How, How did I think that approach to finances would ever work out? Like, why couldn't I see that this wasn't a pastime? This was a pathway that led to a habit, and I'm gonna deal with the effect of that habit for the rest of my life. Like, all we need to do to realize this invisible spiritual world is impacting our lives is to look back. Because when we look back, we will see there were seasons when we were deceived in our thinking and we knew something greater than us was influencing us to think the way that we did. And now what we're doing, we're paying the price. We're paying the price spiritually, emotionally, physically, relationally, and financially for decisions that made sense back then, but make no sense as we look back on our lives today. Or if that doesn't convince you that there's a invisible spiritual world that impacts our visible world, think about your friends. Think about your family. Think about the people that you love, that you want the best for them in their life. And we watch them oftentimes make decisions and we think, why can't you see this for what it is? I mean, it is so clear to everybody else that you're about to make a terrible decision. I mean, you're deceived in some way in your life, but at that moment, it makes perfect sense to them. And you know they're deceived. You know they're believing a lie, but they can't see it. And if those two things don't convince us there's an invisible spiritual world that impacts our visible world, Just look at the actions of people who intentionally plan plan the deaths of people. I mean, sometimes they plan the death of one person. Sometimes they plan the death of 10 people. Sometimes it's the death of 100 people. Sometimes it's the death of thousands of people. And we ask the question, how does that happen? How can that happen? How could anyone think that makes any kind of sense? Here's how. There is more than meets the eye. There's an invisible spiritual world that impacts our visible world. And because of that, today we're going to talk about a truth that is oftentimes very much misunderstand, especially in church world. And if you are a church person, what I know is this, you tend to take one or two approaches to this topic we're going to be talking about in spiritual warfare today. And that is one, we tend to either overemphasize it. Like some church people, they get really excited about the spiritual warfare thing. And for them, there is a devil or a demon behind every bush and around every corner. And you are right. There's an invisible spiritual world that absolutely impacts our visible world. But here's the thing I want to tell you. When you get in a car wreck and you're blaming Satan, when the truth is you just weren't paying attention because you were texting, or when you flunk a test 
because you didn't study or when you can't pay your bills because you spent money on a trip at spring break that you couldn't afford, that's not spiritual warfare. That's just bad decision making. So there can be an overemphasis. Or the other approach people tend to take is we tend to underemphasize it. And this tends to be the more common approach that people have. But when we underemphasize the truth, here's what you need to understand. When we underemphasize this truth about spiritual warfare, we set ourselves up for deception. And let me just go ahead and say, if you're with us today at any of our churches, Blunstown, Chipley, or Mariana, and you're not a church person, you don't consider yourself really a church person, you might even think this subject's a little weird to you. And if that's you, that's okay. We're so glad that you're here because I would just encourage you to keep coming back as we unpack this series. And I think it's going to make a whole lot of sense of why certain things are happening in your world. Now, as I said earlier, Jesus believed in this invisible spiritual reality. And in a conversation with religious leaders, Jesus gives us some very important and even unsettling insight into this invisible spiritual world and how it can affect our visible world. Now, if you got your Bibles, you want to follow along, I would encourage you to go to John chapter 8. That's where we're going to start out this morning. But to give you a little bit of context for this conversation that is happening in John chapter 8, uh, Jesus is having a conversation with some religious leaders who were claiming that Jesus was a false messiah, that Jesus was a false prophet. And Jesus says to these religious leaders, he says, if you were a devoted follower of the God of Abraham, as you claim you are, then you would recognize who I am. And then he starts in John chapter 8, beginning in verse 43, he says, let me just go ahead and tell you why what I say to you is not clear. Let me tell you why you don't recognize me as the true Messiah. In fact, this conversation between Jesus and these religious leaders, it was so unsettling. Jesus was so forthright with them that in the last verse of John chapter 8, it says they picked up stones to stone him. So if you want to follow along your Bibles, we're going to begin reading from John chapter 8, verse 44. That's what we're going to pick up in the conversation. Here's how the conversation goes. Jesus is saying to the religious leaders, you belong to your father, the devil. Now imagine, that was pretty offensive to them. That's very forthright. These are the religious leaders of the day. He says, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth. For there is no truth in him, meaning whenever Satan speaks, influences, whatever, it is always a lie. There is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So Jesus says to these religious leaders, you are under the power of your father, the devil, He's saying, that's why you're so deceived about who I am. That's why you take what I say and what I do and you credit it to something other than God. It's why you want to carry out your father, the devil's desires. Now, make sure you get what Jesus is saying about our invisible spiritual world that impacts our visible world. Jesus is saying, it is led by the devil. Or another name for devil would be Satan. And his ultimate agenda is what? His ultimate agenda is 
murder. His ultimate agenda is the destruction of human life. Never think for a minute that Satan or the devil could ever be your friend. His agenda is the destruction of human life. He was and he is still a murderer. And while his agenda is to destroy human life, here's the thing you have to understand. You go, he's a murderer? Well, here's the thing. He's limited to carrying out that activity, that action, by distorting and deceiving other people. Make sure you get this. Satan destroys by deception. He's limited to deception, distortion, and confusing of our perception of reality. In fact, Jesus said it another way in John chapter 10, verse 10. He says that Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's his whole agenda, to destroy you. Because Satan knows that if he can deceive you, he can destroy you. Here's the thing we have to understand and make sure you write this down. Satan's level of destruction in your life is determined by our level of deception. Satan's level of destruction in your life is determined by your level of deception. So the more deceived you are, the more destruction that he can cause you and cause you to bring on your life or cause you to bring into other people's lives. And while many of us have kind of heard some conversation similar to this in the past, maybe if you grew up in church world, I don't think we fully understand the impact that Satan's invisible world has on our lives. I mean, every day, every minute of our day, Satan's goal is to kill, steal, and destroy all that is valuable to the human race. His goal is to destroy your life, to steal, kill, and destroy relationships, to kill, steal, and destroy marriages, father-child, mother-child, sibling, friendship, community, unity in the body of Christ, unity in our community, unity in our nation, in our world. Satan is all against everything that God has created or designed that is good and life-giving. He wants to destroy it. So his agenda is simply to destroy all of that by deception and by distorting our reality. In fact, Satan's goal is to confuse the human mind to the point that we think what is right is actually wrong and what is wrong is actually right. To confuse and deceive to the point that we do things that make absolutely no sense to anyone looking on. But they make perfect sense to us in the moment. See, his goal is the destruction of the soul, of the heart, of our relationships, and even the physical body. Don't don't miss this. Satan's agenda is the destruction of human life, and he accomplishes that through deception. Now, here's what's interesting about this. About 30 or 40 years after Jesus said this, The Apostle Paul, he's writing to Christ followers in some churches that he has planted, and he's teaching them about living in this new kingdom which Jesus has invited them to live in, this this kingdom of grace and forgiveness and, and life. And he understands the impact that this invisible spiritual world can have on our visible world. And he knows Satan is going to be coming and he's going to bring in all kind of opposition against these new followers of Jesus as they attempt to join Jesus in his kingdom and live out his kingdom work. So he writes 
about this in a letter to the church at Ephesus. And I encourage you to follow along in Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to pick up in verse 10 there. I want you to listen to the following verses that the Apostle Paul writes as he helps us understand Satan's agenda to deceive in order to destroy. Notice what he says beginning in verse 10. He says, finally... Now, this word finally doesn't mean, okay, I've been writing to you for six chapters, so this is the last thing I'm going to write. It's not the kind of idea where you go, oh, we only got finally, finally five more minutes and we're going to be done with this sermon and we can be out of here. It's not that kind of thing, right? No, this is finally above everything else I have written. Literally what he's saying is, if you don't get anything else in these six chapters, this letter that I've written to you, he says, this is the most important thing that you need to remember. So as we read these verses, make sure you read them as the essential things that the Apostle Paul said that we should know and remember from his letter. Back to verse 10. Here's what he says. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's scheme. So the Apostle Paul is saying the most important thing you need to remember is that you are in a spiritual battle. That's why he says you need to put on the full armor of God. And here's the thing we need to understand, whether you're a Christ follower or not a Christ follower, your biggest battle in life is against the devil's schemes or Satan's schemes. And the question is, what are the devil's schemes? Well, the devil's schemes, every one of his schemes, and we're going to be talking about some of these over the next few weeks, are to take what is true and distort it just enough to lead us astray. To distort, distort the truth just enough so that you take a path that is just off course. So eventually, you destroy yourself and as many other people as you can in the process. See, Satan's schemes is that he wants us to take what is true and that he will take and he'll change that truth just enough that we don't even realize he's changing it. Don't make it too evident. Don't make it too obvious. Find some common ground with that truth and then lead them astray. That is his scheme. That is his plan. The scheme is to deceive you by distorting the truth just enough so you destroy yourself and you destroy others. So you might want to write this down. Satan's scheme is to deceive you in destroying yourself and others. Now here's how he works this scheme to deceive and distort. Everything that God has that is right, pure, holy, and true, Satan has a counterfeit for it. In fact, if you want to see a great example of that, go to Ephesians chapter 4 and look at the first opening verses at some point in time. Because in the opening verses, he contrasts Jesus' love, God's love for us, which is pure, holy, right, and true, with the world's or Satan's counterfeit, which is perverted. So everything that God has that is true, holy, right, and pure, and is designed to give us life, Satan will counterfeit in order to distort us so that we buy into it and it can destroy us. For example, appetites. We all need appetites to live, right? If you don't have an appetite, you don't eat and then you could die. But Satan says, hey, let's just do this. Let's just take appetites and let's distort them enough so that they become an addiction. Or he says, let's take the God-given gift of appreciation and let's distort it just enough so it becomes lust. 
Or he says, let's take the desire for good and let's distort it just enough that it becomes the desire for greed. Or, or let's take something appealing. Nothing wrong with something be appealing. God made things beautiful and God said that is good. But let's take something that's appealing and distort it so it becomes jealousy. Or let's take self-awareness and distort it where it becomes self-centeredness, insecurity, and narcissism. And then here's the big one that Satan does. He says, let's distort people's view of God just enough so they start getting angry at God. Let's distort people's view of God just enough so they turn from God and they start blaming him for all the consequences of their life. And then they make decisions out of their anger toward God and they blame God even more for the consequences of their choices until they hate God. See, this is Satan's scheme. It is his strategy to deceive you into destroying yourself and others. See, he can't destroy you he can't destroy other people physically but he can use you to destroy yourself and other people in the process in fact listen to what the apostle paul says in verse 12 especially if you are in the middle of a marriage tension or strain or struggle or if you're in the middle of a parent child strain or struggle or tension or if you're in the middle of some kind of work relationship strain or struggle at your workplace or at your school or with a friend listen to what he says in this next verse here's what he says for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Don't you miss that? For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. And you go, oh yes, it was coming to church this morning. You should have seen that struggle we were having with a spouse or a kid or whatever. He goes, no, no, no. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. Listen, what the apostle Paul is saying is if you're feeling a battle in your life, in a relationship, if you're feeling tension in a relationship, if you're feeling tension and, and struggle in your life, he's saying, here's what you got to understand. Your battle is not with the government. Your battle is not with the Republicans. Your battle is not with the Democrats. Your, your battle is not against your boss. Your battle is not against your coworkers. It's not against your classmates. Or classmates. It's not against, your battle is not against fellow church attenders. Your battle, it's going to amaze some of you, it's not against your spouse. Your battle is not against your children. Notice what he says. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. So I want all of us, all of our churches, Blountstown, Chipley, Mariana, all of us together. I want us to say this opening line together. Everybody together. Everybody ready? Here we go. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Okay, Blountstown, you did not emphasize the not enough now, okay? Chipley, show us how to do it. Everybody ready? Here we go. All of our campus, here we go together. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. I want you to turn to the person sitting beside you, whether you know them or not, and I want you to say this with me. You ready? For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Wow, isn't that just freeing? See, here's the thing. We thought it was. Our enemy, the devil, wants, to view, wants us to view each other as the enemy. And here's the thing. 
If he can deceive us enough where we lose sight of the fact that Satan, the devil, is our enemy, what he knows is we will misdirect the attacks of our struggle and we will attack each other. And please don't miss what I'm going to say here. When we attack each other, Satan sits back and he laughs. He goes, thank you for being my warrior. Thank you for being my soldier. Keep it up. Do it. Go after each other. Now you come back at them. You go at them. Oh, go, 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 go. And he sits back and laughs as we destroy each other and we attack each other. And all the time he's going, ha, I'm feeding him that thought. I'm feeding her this thought. I'm feeding him that thought. I'm feeding her that thought. I will escalate this and escalate this until they hate each other and divorce each other, destroy their family, destroy their lives. Listen, Satan is a liar. That's all he's got. And any thought he ever gives you is a lie. And that's how he attacks you is in your mind. And those thoughts begin to distort your reality just enough. And in doing so, he has you and me carrying out his scheme to kill, steal, and destroy. And you're blaming the other person. He's going, oh, you keep on blaming them. Oh, I love this. You keep on blaming them. Listen, the person that you're struggling with in your home the person you struggle with in the office, the person you struggle with at school, the person that you struggle in your neighborhood that you scream back and forth across the fence at and throw their trash back there and they throw it back at you. Yeah, I've seen some of that. Listen, the primary problem is the spiritual war that you're engaged in, not that person. Listen, they may be deceived. Their behavior may be out of distorted perception of reality. But if you lean into that, you're doing the same thing. And we just attack and attack and attack. Listen, if you don't get anything else today, make sure you get this. There is an invisible spiritual war that impacts the visible. There is more that meets the eye. There's an unseen force that impacts everything that is seen. Satan's scheme. It is to deceive you to the level, and it doesn't take much, where you're destroying yourself and you're destroying other people in the process. So whatever struggle you find yourself in today, whatever struggle you've had with people in this last week or the last month or the last year or the last 15 or 20 years, some of you are holding on to grudges and unforgiveness because you think that person is your enemy and Satan's looking back, looking at you and just laughing, going, oh, I'm killing you. I'm destroying you. You're living with hate and unforgiveness. And I'll just build that up because every time you replay that memory from 10, 15 years ago, it just fuels you more and you have more hate and you destroy yourself more and you put more walls up to God and other people and he laughs. So whatever issue you think your struggle is, make sure you factor this in. There is more than meets the eye. 
There is a very real, invisible, spiritual battle that is going on in you every day. And I'm telling you, it goes on you every day. It goes with, it, it, it affects every person that you ever going to relate to. Every time you relate to someone, even if you love that person dearly, like your children or your spouse or, or your parents, Satan's going to try to do something to distort you so that you will destroy each other. Listen, there is not a millisecond of your life that you are not in full-scale spiritual warfare. In fact, one of the things that happens as a pastor is people often will reach out to me and they'll say, hey, I really need you to pray for me because I feel like I'm in spiritual warfare. Especially, they'll reach out if something's not going good in their life or if something's going wrong in their life or it's not going the way they would want it to go. I mean, it's like we we get these bad news kind of things or we have these bad experiences kind of things and all of a sudden we think we're in spiritual warfare. Please hear what I'm about to say because this is true for every one of you, especially if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. There is not a day, there is not an hour, there is not a minute, there is not a second There's not a millisecond of your day when you are not in full-scale spiritual warfare. See, the truth is, some of the greatest spiritual deception, some of the greatest spiritual warfare happens when everything is going well in your life. That's when Satan really deceives us and just gradually takes us off. See, when things aren't going good, oftentimes we run back to God. But when things are going good, we just start drifting more and more. And he just keeps, come on, come on, come on. Just come on. Yeah, this this is the best way. See, Satan is doing his best every moment of your life. There is not a moment of your life. In the good times and in the bad times, he's doing his best to deceive and distort your perception of reality so that you're attacking other people, so that you're attacking yourself. And in doing so, you're destroying yourself and you're destroying the people around you. But our struggle is not with flesh and blood. And if you struggled a little bit ago, to look at that person sitting beside you and to say, our struggle is not with flesh and blood. It is a sign that you've bought into the deception because in your mind going, oh, I can't say to that person because they are my struggle. And some of you are saying, man, I got up and this pretty day to come hear all this depressing news. (laughs) So where's the good news in this, right? To go, I've been attacking all these people. I've been attacking myself. All these things that I say about myself that I beat myself up and I bring more shame and guilt and condemnation on myself. All this negative self-talk. That's not originating with me. No. How do you win this war? I'm glad you asked because we're gonna spend the next four weeks talking about that. But before we leave today, let me just give you a couple things to grab a hold of to help you begin to fight this battle. First thing you need to do is you intentionally create the habit of recognizing that there's more going on in your life than meets the eye. And do this two ways. Here's how you do it. One, recognize the truth. There is this invisible spiritual world world that influences our visible world. And if we are unaware, it can destroy us. You, You need to make sure you write this down, have it in front of you, keep it in front of you. And here's what I would say to you. Every time you reach for a wipe, every time you reach for sanitizer, every time you reach for some disinfectant, this week, next week, the next week. Every time you reach for something to kill germs, 
especially those called viruses, you need to be reminded, you know what? There's an invisible spiritual world that influences my visible world just as much and even more than this. Because while this can destroy the body, this will destroy your soul and many other people's as well. So you need to begin to ask God to help you see life through his lens. And this is why it's so essential that you're spending time in scripture daily, multiple times a day. I tell the guys in my small groups, listen, you need to be spending time in God's word at least twice a day, three times a day. I mean, Daniel, why, did, why was he such a powerful figure over four different empires? He influenced four pagan empires to turn to God. Why? Because three times a day he turned his focus to God. Because here's the thing, God's word is the only source of truth. And I would encourage you especially to spend time in the teachings of Jesus, spend time in the teaching of Jesus and learn that truth, know that truth because reading the truth from God's word in scripture, I'm telling you what it will do, it will expose the distortion and the lies that you've begun to believe. Every time you sit at the feet of Jesus and listen to his words, just, just lean in with an open mind saying, Jesus, I wanna know truth, I wanna know truth. I want to know truth. I want to see the truth. And then the second thing you do, don't just recognize that this truth and the way you do it is every time you grab one of these things, let it remind you, oh, there's a spiritual invisible world as well. Second thing is request through prayer in your prayer time with God. So you say, God, show me. Just pray this exact prayer if you, if you need words. Just, God, show me the areas where I am being deceived and where my perception of reality is being distorted because the question is not if you're in the process of being deceived. You are deceived in some area of your life. If you weren't deceived, you would be living a perfect life. So the question is not if you're in the process of having distorted perception of reality. Satan is always scheming about how he can destroy you and those around you through your distorted view of life. And some of you, you're attacking people in your family, in, in your school, in your workplace. These people are for you and you can't see it because you have such a distorted view of who you are and what reality is. And the only way you become aware and recognize Satan's scheme is to know the truth. And we do that through time in God's word and prayer. Consistent times in God's word and prayer. In fact, to leave your home in the morning, to go through your day without girding up your loins with truth by putting on the armor of God, it's like going in a full-scale war without any armor on the truth of God's word is our armor. You know, what's really interesting at the beginning of this conversation that we just introduced a little bit ago in John chapter eight, where Jesus is talking to these religious leaders about them call, calling him the false Messiah. In John 8, 32, that he makes this declaration that most of us have heard. He says, if you'll hold to my teachings, guys, you will know the truth and you can finish it, right? And the truth will set you free. See, most of us are held in bondage to lies and we're destroying ourselves or destroying others. Many of us, we look back over lies and I had people after the first service this morning even come to me and say, man, I destroyed my marriage and did not even realize what I was doing. It was spiritual warfare. But I believe the lie of Satan. And I wish I could go back. 
Listen, if you don't have the habit in your life of grabbing hold of Jesus' teaching and sitting at Jesus' feet every day and letting him show you truth, man, we'd love to help you with that. Uh, go to Engage next week. Um, all of our campuses, you can stop by the gallery today and they'll give you information where it's located in the time for your campus. But here's the thing. Jesus wants to guide you in truth and set you free. So as we close out our conversation today, I want you to imagine how different our lives, how different our families, how, how different our communities, how, how different our workplaces, our schools would be if we would lean courageously into this truth that our struggle is not against flesh and blood. But every time I find myself attacking someone, angry at someone, going after someone, I thought, oh no, Satan, you're not doing this to me. You're not gonna use me to destroy this person. You're not gonna use me to destroy myself. It ain't gonna happen. I reject your scheme in the name of Jesus. And some of you are saying, I would love to do that, but I don't think I'm fully equipped to do that. Well, keep coming back for the next four weeks because we're gonna fully equip you. Make sure you invite somebody to join you because we're gonna break this down even more over the next few weeks. But for this week, here's what I want you to remember. There's more than meets the eye. There's an invisible spiritual world that impacts our visible world. And whether you're having a smooth season right now or a great season of struggle, we all need to recognize we are in constant 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We are in a constant spiritual battle. And I'm telling you, we gotta have God's truth. We gotta have his presence to help us fight this battle. And the good news is greater is he that's in us than he that's in this world. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this incredible opportunity to know again how much you love us because you make us aware of what our enemy is and who our enemy is and what our enemy's like. Uh, I thank you for your kindness and compassion when you see us deceived and having this distorted view of what reality is, that you still just keep reaching out and you're going, let me help, let me give you, let me give you the truth, let me declare the truth to you. And God, I thank you that you're always there to bring us back, to love us, to heal us. God, most of all, I pray that you help us this week when we are about to attack someone or we're about to believe that they are our struggle or the cause of our struggle. When we're about to attack ourselves and say negative things about ourselves or blame ourselves or go into this shame game. God, may we remember what our enemy is and who it is. And I thank you for your power that indwells those of us who are followers of Jesus. I thank you that same power is available to any person today who will just say, Jesus, today I receive you of my Lord and Savior. I ask your forgiveness for all my sin and I choose to follow you for the rest of my days. Help me to win this war through your divine power. And I thank you that we can live from a position of divine power as we're gonna learn over these next few weeks. And we don't have to be a victim anymore. And I thank you for the peace and the joy. I thank you that when we learn this, that we don't have to live through all these exhausting emotions anymore. I thank you for your incredible love to lead us, 
and empower us to win this war. In Jesus' name, we give you thanks. Amen. Hey, everyone, have a great day. Know that you are in battle as you walk out the doors today. So when you go to lunch and you're about to attack somebody at lunch, just remember who your enemy is. Have a great day.